I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Hollowdale Media Podcast. And summer has ended. It's gone. Yeah. Very, very quickly. Just like that. Your room has turned into an icebox. Um, <laughs> I've got my robe on again. It's it's cold. It's, uh, it's happened. It's done. Well, yeah. I mean, Halloween season looms ever closer and ever sooner. Yeah. Uh, it's little hints and smells that might uh, be conceived as autumnal. Yeah, we've got leaves on the ground everywhere. The everything's dying. It's freaking early September and it's doing that. I can see empty trees out my window. Oh god, where that tree used to be once covered in sap, and I poked it and poked it, and it was really nice to poke all the sap out of the sap blob. It's all gone now. Yep, 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 yep. So yeah. I mean, did, do you feel like you made the most of the summer this year? Uh, yes and no. Um, I feel like I could have got out more and gone to more places. But hey, it's a pandemic. We get this one off, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we had a very good spring. Yeah, we had, we had a very yeah we had our all of our partying in spring. We had all of our naughtiness in spring. So yeah, summer was nicely chilled. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's with the new season comes the new fun. Oh yes, yes. We're only a couple of weeks away now from our Halloween season special. The highlight of our year, the time of year where we're most busy, where we book work, time off work, to film more stuff, where we spend an entire month filming every day. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up. And I'm very excited. Good, I'm me very too. Very excited. Yeah, can't we've, wait. We've got a cool thing happening. We've got Josh hard at work, which we will reveal later. Yes, our you know, handy... Sorcerer man in his cave is making something. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, um, but before that all comes to pass, uh, what have you been watching? Mm, I've been making my way through Star Wars Rebels. What is that? Is that another cartoon? Yeah. So when the Star Wars Clone Wars, that's the one that's famous and everyone talks about. Yeah. In the geek world. Uh, then when Disney bought it, they released Star Wars Rebels. And it has a very similar path. It starts off kiddie, child-friendly, a bit nice. Mm. Uh, but then rapidly, like Clone Wars, turns into a war thing. Right, and it has so, people dying and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where I am now, it now feels like the original Star Wars films. Oh, okay. So it's actually quite nice. Yeah. Like, it builds up to it. And the music's similar. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of what I've been spending... That's my go-to-bed show. It's good that there is that kind of old backlog of Star Wars content that's not really tainted or that's not been ruined yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that's not been ruined yeah 100% Uh, apart from that not much Mm. Uh, there seems to be a drought on Netflix for me I'm not seeing anything although oh my god something you pointed out earlier the boys the boys by the time this podcast comes out the boys will have been released season 2 we're either getting 2 or we're getting 3 episodes tomorrow at time of recording tomorrow so two days ago yeah two days ago so we're gonna have a whole triple bill to get into the new (laughs) series it's very very exciting i've been waiting for ages if you don't know the boys and you love uh fun action fighty violence with carl urban carl urban yeah yeah, yeah. you will love the boys it's the best tv show current currently ongoing i think i yeah no i agree there's nothing better so if you don't know it, go watch it. If you do know it, you'd have already seen it. And Am- we'll, we're extremely jealous. Amazon Prime, go watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? What have you been watching? 
I'm not. I I'm not going to talk about the really, really good football documentary I've been watching because you don't care. Um, <sighs> but that's fair enough. Um, I have delved back into because Netflix have gone mad with their jackass content. <laughs> have they? Netflix has one, two, three of the movies. I don't know if they've got a series yet, but they've got one, two, three, and they've got the point fives. Did you ever watch the Jackass point fives? Oh, maybe one or two. Oh, they're good. So, they're all the stunts that didn't make it into the movies. I've only watched... I never watched these before, I don't think. Did they release them as part of, like, extended versions? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's why I think I've seen them, yeah. slapped unrated on it, um... Dirtier stuff goes on, more sex toys, more feces, more um, animal jizz, oh, for lack of a better word. So it turns into Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, 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 and I think that's probably why it didn't get in. But it's um, it's fascinating because it they it's not just stunt after stunt after stunt. They interview them all and they talk about it, and they you get a kind of insight that you never thought of before. And they kind of explain that everyone thinks that being on set at Jackass is the funnest thing ever okay you've got to do be scared about a painful stunt you're going to do that was only the half of it because they're quite brave and ready for that the hmm. other half was the constant fear and anxiety that Bam's going to come up behind you and punch you in the face with a boxing glove <laughs> that someone's going to come and shave your hair off there's a phrase that keeps repeating throughout all of the films footage is footage you can't get in a state or a mood because someone's pulled a prank on you so you can be sat you've just done something horrible and you've gone back to the bloody I don't know, to your chair to chill and have a coffee. And yeah. someone can, it's still going. You can't switch <laughs> off. You can't rest. And there was a stunt which I was horrified by. And I'd never watched Jackass. This is the first time I almost turned into their mum and went, no, 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 that's gone too far. <laughs> You're an old man now, I Rob. Steve-O, they rented, they rented a warehouse. This is in 3.5. They rented a warehouse somewhere. And they made a wooden plank for Steve-O to walk across. Underneath him, they put a load of burning coals. So he'd just be landing on burning coals, probably burning himself a bit badly. The guy who owned the, wa- owned the warehouse was so worried about his bloody floor being ruined, he put steel sheets underneath the coals. Oh, my God. And it all heated up to ridiculous levels. It was mental. And, of course, he falls off lands on it burns himself and afterwards there's literally skin all over him just peeling off uh, and um, it's after he's given up drugs they, they had to have a, a completely clean set and no alcohol or anything mm. and um, Johnny Knoxville's talking to him afterwards he says how do you feel Steve and he just turns to him and says this is about the time a normal person would probably take a painkiller and you think oh god what and my there is on a different level in terms of like what pain thresholds they can take it's to, to do that like burning yourself in the kitchen is bad enough but having landing on molten yeah. steel but yeah no that's, that's all I have what to a, say but it's, what it's, a weird decision anyway if you want to protect your floor you're going to put something that might melt yeah I don't I just thought if I was like Jeff Tremaine or whoever else is running like the stunt coordinations with the team they, they come up with a lot of the ideas themselves but Surely someone's got to step in and say, ah, don't do that, Steve-O. They probably, burn, probably didn't even cross their mind. Don't burn your skin off. <laughs> Pierce yourself. Get bitten. Do whatever, just don't... Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. it freaked me out. But, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating, really good watch, and of course, really, really funny. I find it really fascinating, Netflix, because you can look at someone else's Netflix and experience something completely different. Yeah. I haven't seen any of that. Mate, it's, it's mad. mad. Mm. I'll tell you what I'm really desperate to see. Uh, Shudder, the horror Netflix, have released a film called uh, a series called Cursed Films. 
Ooh. and I'm really, really interested. I might do a thing about it further down the line when I have seen it. It's all about, so each episode's about a cursed film, so famously Poltergeist, mm. Twilight Zone the movie, all that stuff, and kind of what was experienced, and yeah, I keep... Oh, I'm so on that. I keep seeing adverts I'm about it, and it's really interesting. I'm definitely, definitely, definitely on that. Yeah, that sounds great. Anyway, so we've got a bit of a show ahead of you, obviously. Yes. Uh, what have we got coming up? A uh, big dose of uh, news, some really interesting stuff um, to uh, keep waiting for of that. We're going to go into like John Boyega's uh, kind of current stance on like what he went through with Star Wars. Um, some other stuff as well. We're reviewing a very, very good film. Would you like to tell them a bit about that? Mm, the last time my word picked randomly was vulnerable. So I picked A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Ooh. Yeah, and I have to say, I, I didn't know anything about this film going in. And um, yeah, it was freaking worth the watch. Mm, so yeah, more on that later. But before that, we've got something brand new. <gasps> welcome. Ooh, welcome to the new theme tune by Liam Wilkinson. Adam's Film Reviews. Get Duke 2019. Ah, the Highlands. One of the purest places on Earth. Hardly a foot has touched... Wait, who the hell... Ah! Okay, roll call. Duncan McDonald. Ah! Dean Gibson. DJ Beetroot. DJ Beetroot! Can I have your real name? Just that third one down there. William de Beauvoir. Nice! Who are you? Ian. I'll meet you at the campsite at 6pm. Be careful, you don't want to get lost in the highlands. There's danger everywhere. Hello, boys! Is that the Duke of Edinburgh? Run! He nearly killed us! We got your weapons. We're doomed. I'll make a bomb. Where's the explosion? Yeah, the whole point of a bomb. Written and directed by seasoned music video director Ninian Doff in his feature film debut, Get Duped is a loose horror comedy that just landed on Amazon Prime and you know what, it's pretty good. The film introduces us to the delinquent Dean, played by Ryan Gordon Duncan, played by Lewis Gribben, and the self-titled DJ Beatroot, that's B-A, Root, played by Viraj Juneja. Given the option to be expelled from school or to take part in the Duke of Edinburgh award, the three reluctantly dragged their feet into the wilderness with their teacher Mr Carlisle, played by Jonathan Arts. Joining them is the over-eager and more than a little out of place Ian, played by Samuel Bottomley, a homeschool kid who just didn't have anyone else to go with to earn his Duke of Edinburgh. Like generations of kids before them, the boys are dropped off by Mr. Carlisle with a map and sent into the wilderness to find their way to the campsite by following compass directions and the lay of the land. Not that anyone but Ian's interested. Tearing a scrap from their map to roll a joint, Dean cusses and grumbles his way along while DJ Beatroot slaps self-promotional stickers on every rock, and if he found any, 
likely any livestock too. Duncan, meanwhile, projects the same destructive energy as Vivian from the young ones and is just desperate for some fun. Unfortunately for the boys, fun finds them and as they run into a well-spoken but clearly unhinged man dressed to resemble the Duke of Edinburgh himself. Played by Eddie Izzard, the Duke, for want of a better name, proudly claims he's there to cull the working class herd before taking aim with his rifle and shooting at the boys. Thankfully, the Duke is a lousy shot and the boys escape long enough to attempt to fight back. Attempt being the main word. As the boys navigate the Scottish Highlands, the threat of death at the hands of the Mad Duke and later his wife the Duchess, played by Georgie Glenn, increases, forcing the boys to make some pretty drastic choices. In no time, the local farmers get wind of the new arrivals, while the tiny police force begin trying to zero in on the murders happening in the Highlands, and also apparently deal with the threat of gang warfare, terrorism, paedophiles and uh, zombies. Get Jute isn't doing anything particularly new or original, like Hot Files meets The Purge through the lens of Attack the Block. But while Get Jute lacks the cutting commentary of Attack the Block or reaches the level of comedy in Hot Fuzz, Get Jute is genuinely really fun. Like a risque CBBC special, Get Jute feels exactly like the sort of teenage comedy that we should see more of. And while the threat of the Duke and the Duchess never quite reaches its crescendo, the characters of Dean, Duncan, DJ Beatrue and Ian are absolutely the focus of the story and they just work so well together. Credit goes to the actors manage to sell their characters in a really believable, if a little hammy way. Oh, and there's a lot of love for the soundtrack of Get Jute. While it isn't my cup of tea, it definitely sells the idea of city boys stuck in the wilderness. And one prolonged section absolutely shows off Ninny and Dolph's background in music videos. You'll never look at farmers the same way again. Do I recommend Get Juked? Yeah. It's good fun without ever going all that deep. Definitely more could have been made of it. But it's got some great laugh out loud moments and it's a refreshing slice of black British comedy in an otherwise pretty murky lineup of new releases. Check it out on Prime. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. First of all, just want to say that it was awful to hear about Chadwick Boseman. Obviously, he passed away last week, um, or maybe the week before, uh, by the time this comes out. But uh, So, it's by no means news now, but what's sadder is news coming out about his decision not to tell Marvel what he was going through. He was intent on reprising his role for Black Panther 2. He was due to start preparation on the project as soon as next month, according to NME. So, it's very sad to hear how determined he was to uh, take that role up again. Adam, I know you and me aren't the biggest fans of the original Black Panther, or the only one as it probably will now be, but the fact remains he supplied a genuine role model superhero for black children who would have been struggling to see themselves in the Mm. likes of Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Yes, and there was uh, a recent video I saw on Twitter with him on some sort of panel talking about all of the kids in cancer treatment hospitals and stuff and sending messages and he was sending them back. He was talking about one kid who had terminal and wasn't likely to see Black Panther before he was released and you're just thinking he's going through the same thing oh my god I didn't even think of that and he's he's not showing it at all he's not talking about it he's not making a big deal about it staying humble and just being a hero frankly yeah oh no it's a big old shame and um, yeah cannot understate the sort of influence he has had and will continue to have so yeah now, well, sad news. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, it might inspire. It might actually inspire more. 
Yeah, I think so. If you can be tough enough to tough out a, a bunch of Marvel movies and then you yeah. know, keep on going all the way through despite knowing that news. Mm. Yeah, very brave, very cool. John Boyega has said that non-white actors are pushed aside by Disney. Mm. Speaking to GQ, Boyega expressed his frustrations with Disney, stating, what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. He went on to say, like, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley, you knew what to do with Adam Driver, you knew what to do with these other people, but when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know Ethel, so what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. No, I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest, Daisy knows this, Adam knows this, everybody knows. I'm not exposing everything. That's what this take was. Yeah, and absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. And also, I mean, this isn't even the first time he's really... Well, it's probably the first time he's said it. But have you seen all the interviews where the actors clearly are sick of it? No. Not even just sick of the press releases. John Boyega, uh, Oscar Isaac especially, they are sneering, rolling their eyes. It's interesting because uh, John Boyega in that uh, same article, he mentions that he felt that Oscar Isaac received uh, similar treatment Yeah, for being non-white. So maybe they just felt, you know, he just felt in the same sort of boat, just like pushed aside as like a, just a supporting character oh. who helps. yeah. Not even a supporting character, really. Just watch the ending of Rise of Skywalker because uh, Josh hadn't seen it before. Now he's got Disney Plus. He's been binging it all. They neither of them really do anything. In fact, Oscar Isaac is in it almost as a joke. Like he's just being rubbish. They're just sort of part of the cavalry that comes in. Yeah, yeah. They're just part of. They have no. Uh, direction on the plot whatsoever they no. are in no way important which is interesting because take the original Star Wars even even the prequels maybe not as much but with sci-fi when you do a sci-fi story a lot of the time it's it's omnipresent it's you are following every character you are above and watching the whole thing same with fantasy so thinks uh, Lord of the Rings you're not following two people no you're following everyone at once yeah definitely what the sequel Star Wars trilogy does is they follow one person mm. and maybe two, and that's about it. Yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't. It's agree just more. bad storytelling. It's terrible storytelling, and it's very disappointing because um, a lot of people have seen. I don't know if you've seen this. There's a video where uh, John Boyega's watching the trailer of The Force Awakens for the first time with his with, mm. his, with his friend or his brother I don't know and he's so excited about it he's bouncing up and down in his room he's like no it's me it's me it's me yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a Star Wars movie <laughs> and you go back to that trailer and you remember it starts off panning across a desert you don't know where the desert is and all of a sudden his head pops up mm-hmm. he's in his stormtrooper's outfit he runs off and you're like who's he why is he a stormtrooper why is why do we care about a stormtrooper why is a stormtrooper a good guy and you think what's his destiny where's he going what is his importance in yeah. this next trilogy yeah, yeah, of films yeah, 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 yeah. Guess what? Absolutely sod all. Mm. So he's completely right to be annoyed. There's so much about it as well. There's also there's all just to, I won't go into detail, but there's the the lesbian kiss that they made a big deal of. Oh yeah, four seconds. Just shoved it in. Yep. Um, Easily cut outable from other countries. You well, might yes, say. yes, yeah. quite possibly. Uh, the female bad guy lead. Yeah. Captain Phasma. Yeah. Off you Absolutely go. pointless. Just a big merchandise pool. 
like all of this stuff that almost you could almost argue to make it look more modern and woke yeah they put this stuff in but it doesn't mean anything it's just ignored and people get riled up about it but it doesn't mean anything it's just there what's uh the name of the character who uh finn do you know just before um just whilst uh ray goes back to the death star and then finn meets the leader of the uh the little troop of army she used to be a stormtrooper as well she is called xana right they shoehorned in a little conversation between them to make it kind of feel important about their stormtrooper history but ultimately again it's irrelevant yeah and you know it just keeps on going so if you're gonna do it do it properly yeah don't just half-ass it i mean when that's that is my statement on all of the sequel trilogy stars. 100%. Don't half ass it. Yeah, and maybe, just maybe, try something new. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> um, onto something good. Um, we just got... Onto something good. We just got another James Bond trailer dumped on our asses. Have you seen it, Adam? I have. It looks amazing. It looks so bloody good. It looks so good. It looks like a Bond film. It looks exactly like a Bond movie. It looks fantastic. Uh, we know that, obviously, it's Daniel Craig's uh, curtain call, his swan song. Oh, is it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. He's, this is his final one. Uh, joining in, him in this movie is uh, Rami Malek, who plays the bad guy, Leah Seydoux. I think that's how you pronounce it, but she's gorgeous. Um, Lashana Lynch... Anna de Armas, your your little your your favourite. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um, Naomi Harris, Ben Whishaw, Ralph Fiennes, Jeffrey Wright, Christopher Waltz is coming back. Lots of familiar faces. If you've been Fiennes. following, Fiennes. Did we have? A, did we did have a discussion <laughs> about this. I just slips out. It just slips out. Fiennes. It, it looks great. It looks like yeah. a fun Bond film. However, have you seen the poster? Um, I'm looking at it now. It looks... Um... It's Bond remembering he's left the iron on. <laughs> Wait a minute. That is that, that is that look. Oh, God. Hang on a minute. I've left the <laughs> oven on. Oh. Oh, no. I need to go back. Oh, hang on a minute. I just... Did I just chart? It's really bad. Yeah. Really bad poster. Look at this one. That looks cool. There's a baddie. That looks cool. Oh, uh, yeah. That that looks cool. That looks like a bit like a game thing. That that is rubbish. It looks like he's. We're co- talking just for so you know. It's the uh, black and white background of 007. Daniel Craig's in the middle, looking like something bad's happened in his pants. Daniel Craig gets lost in Photoshop. It's ru- it looks amateur, and it's really yeah. Well, yes. Terrible poster aside, this movie has, by the looks of it, luxury casinos, forests like that one in GoldenEye, sexy ladies, and gadgets galore. Yeah. It looks... It's got everything. There's a plane and it folded up into a submarine. I've been missing that. I know! Incredible. So, yeah, November. Cannot wait. Hurry up. It's about time. Something to make us all feel more cheerful because, yes, Adam is definitely not touching the screen because Anna de Armas is on the screen. Anyway, Don't reveal our secrets. Any, <laughs> anyway, um, moving on from the Bond, mm. it's been a good what three episodes we've done without any Evil Dead news. 
Uh, maybe. Maybe two. Yeah. So we are very sorry for that. Um, uh, we have dropped the ball there. However, we can confirm some Evil Dead news. Hooray! Uh, speaking to Bloody Disgusting, Bruce Campbell has said that the new film will trade in the woodland setting for that of a city. Ooh. He says the Evil Dead are going to F up a city this time. This supports recent rumours of a high-rise office building being the setting for the sequel. How awesome is that? Yes, 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 yes. So the plan of the new Evil Dead is that it's following ordinary schlubs in different places in the world, isn't it? Yeah. But, okay, so imagine, so you know all the stuff that Ash has to deal with inside a cabin? Mm. Put that in a bloody office, mate, with um, staplers and printers and computers and filing, filing cabinets and shredders. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's everything I never knew I wanted, <laughs> but I do. So office space meets uh, saw. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah, that's With what we want. Demons. Um, I think they need to go a bit more silly than the 2013 Evil Dead. Oh, I'm one. sure after the success. 2013? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ash vs. Evil Dead, that's what I'm hoping the time will be. Yeah. See, we might have cameos from the supporting cast. That'd be cool. That would be very cool. Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that a lot. So that's very exciting. Um, Finally, Wired.com have created an article titled Every Christopher Nolan Film Ranked, but we're not going to do that because we need to stay awake. Yes, good point. And that concludes Fortnite Schmortnight. Mm -hmm. And listen out for the rest of the show for my review of Tenet. Nick's Game Reviews. Battletoads 2020. Do you like cartoons? In particular, things like Dexter's Laboratory, The Amazing World of Gumball, Final Space or Rick and Morty. Well, you might just like the new Battletoads then. This is the first Battletoads in over 26 years and a lot of people, myself included, said, but why? When it was announced, I thought, how can they possibly take Battletoads, modernise it and make it good? Well, the last thing I expected them to do was turn it into a flipping kids cartoon series. By designing the game's story around a four or five episode structure, following the Battletoads as they try to make themselves relevant again in a world that has forgotten who they are, Delala Studios, under rare supervision, have somehow managed to create something that feels really special. But when you realise that it is written by two of the staff writers from Rick and Morty, well, the whole feel of it and how it kept being delayed, it definitely all makes sense now. Battletoads is very self-aware, but every joke, crack and story point is absolutely inspired. I laughed out loud throughout and found myself wanting to go back again and again. The gameplay is as varied as its predecessors, jumping from side-scrolling beat-em-up to heart-pounding biking levels, all the way through an entire level of platforming which is neatly interrupted every now and then by an asteroid-style battle in space. There are lots of mini-games throughout that will either have you laughing or cursing in frustration, as any Battletoads game should. Not only does the game feel varied enough, but the runtime is short and snappy, clocking in at around 4 hours, which is fast becoming my favourite length of time that a game should be. The older I get, the less time I have to play games, and so these short, punchy and fun titles like Battletoads, Minecraft Dungeons, Detroit Become Human, Streets of Rage or Carrion are the types of games that are interesting me more as we come to the end of this generation of consoles. Out of each of these titles though, Battletoads has to be the standout best. 
You can tell from the start that Delala Studios are absolute fanatics of both video games and kids cartoons. They fully understand what makes video games enthralling and what makes kid cartoons so special. Not only do they understand it, but they have somehow managed to convert that understanding into a well-written and well-made video game. If you have an Xbox or a PC, then please play Battletoads. And have fun! Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. I would love to have an in-depth film discussion with you. Okay, so last time I picked the word vulnerable. Okay, before you go into what we go, you've okay, before we go into what you chose, what other little competitors did you have? What were we think of a vulnerable? Well, I was a bit stuck with vulnerable because the obvious thing is something like uh, misery. Yeah. Um, what was that recent one where the woman's tied up or handcuffed to the bed? Pet? Oh, no. Uh, no. Oh, when she's... Um, Stephen King. Oh, she's shagging the guy and then he dies. Yeah. Him. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. wolves come. You could go to kind of train spotting or the rec room for a dream route or you can, you know... Yeah, um, another thing that crossed my mind was M. Oh, yeah. Vulnerable man preys on vulnerable children. Very dark. Uh... But actually, similar style to that. I kind of went on the noir, modernish uh, horror vibe, um, and went for a girl walks home alone at night. The this is the first Iranian horror western film. Which, when I told you that, you your eyes rolled so hard. <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be rubbish because um, <laughs> it was like, oh, what and um. That's no form of prejudice against the Iranian film industry. I was just thinking, well, what are they going to, what are they going to come up with? You know, yeah. mm. I don't know. And I was uh, blown away. It was, it was magnificent. It's uh, so yeah. It's a noiry um, horror romance suspense film. Yeah. Um, what kind of what I find interesting about it and why it stuck out for me for the word vulnerable is the title itself: "A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night." implies being vulnerable yeah it implies vulnerability where the truth is very different the truth is uh, quite the opposite the girl who walks home alone at night is the predator Ooh. yes so this is uh directed by anna lily amipour uh 2014 um yeah it first premiered at the 2014 sundance film festival um mm. it's and it's it's definitely an indie darling it's yeah. definitely come out of that festival circuit. I remember when it first came out, there was lots of talk about it. It was referenced in magazines and articles and stuff. It took me a long time to actually see it. Uh, the first time I watched it, I was properly transfixed. There's one scene in particular that my jaw just dropped. 
Mm. It's very hard to take your eyes away from this film. It's mesmerising. It's um, I, I will definitely watch it again, and I'll probably watch it again quite soon because it's one of those films which is very visually enjoyable. It's a black and white film, um, but they've got the colour grading and the shades and the lighting oh. and the mise en scène, the cinematography. It's all absolutely perfect. Yeah, and the the, the, the 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 something about black and white looks crisper to me. Yeah, generally, but definitely. something about this film in the use of shadows. It's a painting by light. It's literally you're watching something created. It's not. It doesn't feel accidental. It's um, it's not a. Cl- it's very uncluttered. It's like the on the opposite end of the spectrum to cluttered. There's hardly throughout the film. There's hardly any people in it. There's never. There's never any crowds. There's never bunches of people. Mm. Whether that's budget reasons or not, but it works a treat because you're watching almost Lynchian barren landscapes quite often when um, the protagonist is walking from one area of the city of bad city to the other it's all very barren but it's all very stark and equally bright with these oil drills going into yeah you're always constant you're constantly reminded that there is industry happening this is a a suburb near oil uh, pumps and massive refineries and train lines um, and the city's just fallen apart um, the only people you meet are pimps, prostitutes, and homeless people, and drug addicts. Uh, apart from the main character, you're swept into this ground where everything's kind of falling apart. Most of the film is set just at night, um, and it's following the girl as she walks around, as you say, the city and who she meets on the way. Um, she reminds me of a cat a lot. Yeah, she's there's a, a yeah. there's a cat in the film apparently. Just reading the trivia on IMDb, completely accidental. The cat was just brought in because the, uh, the oh, really? director liked the cat. It wasn't in the script. Um, but it does reflect well on, on the girl who kind of stands in silence and watches. Yeah, definitely. And when she does move, it's done deliberately. And she's kind of... You can imagine her pacing and just checking her surroundings and stopping and watching and then pacing again. Uh, and... I, there's something about it that's really, really unnerving. What um, really contributes to that unnerving feeling is the lack of music in these scenes. Oh, yeah. She's floating. You make your own mind up about how you feel, and you feel obviously unnerved. Mm. She's just floating along. At one point, she gets, she's got a skateboard, and she's just drifting along, and she gets even spookier. You're never told in any obvious way to feel frightened, but she looks so creepy that you just are. Yeah. And there's one bit, in, there's one scene in particular where the girl's mimicking the movements of Hossein, who's a who's a junkie that we meet, um, and all she's doing is on the opposite side of the road, and she's mimicking him, she's moving her arm in the same way, she's walking alongside him, and it's very uncomfortable. There's something really weird about it, and all it is is because it's silent. Mm. You're not given any cue. You're not, there's no music cue telling you how to feel. You're just going like, what, what's happening? It's quite um, intimate in that. It's kind of like, because there's no music and because it's, you know, it's, you're just watching her and these silent scenes where there's only her and the person being followed. Mm. It's almost like you're the person and you get very scared. Um, but she's uh, got a taste for bad men, doesn't she? Well. she's um, She says uh, to, so Arash is our protagonist for, you know, if you're, well, should we, should we briefly run down kind of what's going on? Yeah. So we've got uh, Arash, played by Arash Morandi. That's good casting. Um, 
he's a is a low is he low level gangster? He definitely dabbles in crime. Um, or he he has a job because that's where he gets the earrings from, isn't it? But um, he has a yeah he has a gardening job, but he also works for the Saeed. Saeed, played by Dominic Reigns, who is a pimp. Written on his head in Persian uh, is the word pimp, and he's a drug dealer. And they have worked together. They do know each other. Mm. Um, so this guy, he's, I guess he's just trying to survive, Arash. Yeah, but his dad is in debt because yep. of his heroin addiction. And um, Saeed comes along and says, well, there's keys in your hand. Give me a car. I'm going off with it. Mm-hmm. So Arash is this guy who's kind of down on his luck he's look he looks like he can't really stick up or stand up for he's himself definitely, he's powerless isn't he he's powerless because and, um, to be fair so he's got a point he's got no ground to stand on because his dad is genuinely burning up all the money on his heroin addiction yeah he's paid he's he's taken the heroin he's got to pay for it yeah um but then Saeed is quite obviously a nasty piece of work as um he takes. He doesn't give a cut to uh, one of the prostitutes. He, he picks for. up one of his prostitutes. He basically forces her to go down on him, but then is startled by the appearance of the girl. So he just runs off. Later on, as he's walking down the street, he passes this girl, this fragile-looking young girl, um, who passes by, but they eye each other, mm. and they notice each other. And he turns and she's standing there and she starts walking towards him. And he just takes it as read that uh, she's coming back with him. He's pulled. Mm. So yeah. they go back and it all kicks off. He gets ready for what he believes is going to be an absolutely wonderful uh, night. Has Saeed got the best... Is this what I'm lacking? He's got a, a routine. Well, so he comes in through the door. He, he brings the woman in. Yeah. He doesn't talk to her or look at her again. He racks up some lines of coke. And then he, he puts the music on and then he starts doing dumbbells. Yes! Staring at her with no words said mm. as she stood in the doorway. So this is so we came to the conclusion he was pumping himself up himself up for sex. Yeah, a yeah. girl I used to see, um, she had a similar ex story where a dude, after they'd had sex, he just got on the floor and started doing a bunch of press-ups. <laughs> um, yeah? So, but I, yeah, I don't understand That's it. madness. If there are any guys out there who do that, Keep going. What, what are you doing? More to the point. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Um, pump up before. Pump up before, not after. <laughs> well, you're, or just do your thing. Yeah, we're, we're not here to judge. Um, I'm judging. <laughs> anyway, uh, he becomes more and more fascinated. But, uh, she comes up. Has he changed a bit of music or something? Yeah, well, while he's doing the music, she wanders around and finds a drum kit. Now, the girl um, is obsessed with music. We see that very early on. Um, we see it very, very briefly at the beginning. We see her dancing in her room surrounded by band posters and music. Um, so that's the only time we hear music in this film is when someone's playing it. And she responds to it almost every time. This time he finds her playing with the drum kit. Because mm. obviously she's not interested in the music he's put on. The nasty and she's, techno music going on. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's playing with the cymbals and like, mm, this is fun. Uh, and then he uses his uh, tried-and-tested seduction routine, step two, yep. which is to poke his dirty finger in her mouth. And what do we say to um, everyone out there? A little safety notice, never put your finger in a vampire's mouth. A vampire, you say? Oh, no, did I ruin it? As, as he's running his finger over her lips, suddenly she opens her mouth and the teeth 
come down. She's a vampire. She is a vampire. Oh and my we god! Very quickly see her being vampire-y. and it's uh, a very sudden and brutal shift. Yeah, that sticks out. Actually, that uh, that stuck out to me so much watching it again with you. I was like, hey, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> um, because it's all very slow. It's very methodical, and then suddenly it's really. It doesn't go too far. No, but it is brutal. Um, and it is a little bit like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh. but they're really, what I like about the teeth coming out, they're not ridiculous, great big underworld or blade fangs. They're these little snaky fangs. I was going to say, if anything, they're snaky. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. very small and it makes it almost a bit more like, I don't know, visceral, doesn't it? Yeah. That bite. Um, yeah. Uh, so she does her vampire thing mm. and she she flees. But as she flees, um, Arash, who's chasing so down for his car... They run into each other. They share glances. Uh, so uh, Arash goes inside his apartment and finds Sai dead, uh, and drained. And he ver- the first thing he does is gets his keys back and then nicks his briefcase full of drugs and money, mm, which is definitely the right thing to do. <laughs> I mean, um, so his life starts changing and he starts sort of building himself up. Where he does his day job as a gardener, um, there's a young, attractive woman. He work uh, the daughter of the person he works for, presumably who's going to all these fancy dress costume parties. So he decides to do the same. So, uh, yeah, he's in the he's in the party. Uh, he sells a pill, an ecstasy pill to the girl, or he gives it to him for free. Mm. And then she persuades him to take one as well. He gets absolutely off his tits, mm-hmm. uh, off his dish, and um, he's he tries to kiss her, doesn't he? he tries to make Yeah, her and she just pulls back and rejects him, and he feels like an idiot. So he gets out of there. He, uh, he's walking through this Baron Street, which later on we just discovered only just now is an LA street and not yeah, an Iran filmed street. Filmed in LA. Filmed in LA. LA. Bloody hell. Filmed in Iran. And um, he encounters the nameless woman, this stalking vampire. Well, there's this amazing scene, sort of concurrently with this one, where the girl's wandering around and she bumps into this homeless boy. And it's really, really dark. Mm. What she says to him essentially is, don't be a bad boy, be a good boy. But she says it in such a threatening way, it's kind of horrific. And it's a shame because I'm going to try and put a clip in, but it's subtitled, so it's not really going to work. But you might get a sense of the uh, the tone of it. But as he runs off terrified, she nicks his skateboard. Yeah. So now we see a vampire with a big billowing cape having a little skateboard fun. When they first meet um, her and Arash, um, she's expecting him to be a bad guy, another bad guy. She, you know, she's thinking, well, this guy's going to attack me, and you know, that's that's what I like to kill. That's what I like. I, I like mm-hmm. hunting bad people. Part of the thing why she let the the boy go away is because the boy had good in it, my shit. Yeah. Um, however, Arash quickly shows that he's actually a big, lovable puppy. Well, that's it. So 
she as she's skating down the road, she just sees a vampire. It's mm. not. It's a rash dressed as Dracula. Yeah. Um, and he's he's just off his mind. And so while he's sort of tripping, they she leads him back to her house. The best thing about that is though, like uh, he, she says, "You're coming with me." And yeah. I think she's he's she's got him. She's going to take him off somewhere private and murder him. And then he's just like, "No, no, no! I need to sit down." <laughs> and he just lies down for a bit and then gets on the skateboard and she has to push him along. Yeah, 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 and yeah, that's yeah. the kind of point where you're kind of, she's thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> Why doesn't he want to do bad things to me? Well, there's a, and what follows when he goes back to her flat, dungeon, whatever it is, it's a single room, um, is possibly my favourite scene from modern, it's definitely one of my favourite romance scenes. Nothing happens. No. It's, full of suspense so to picture the scene uh she's she's derobed obviously she has to wear this big long cape and and hood and stuff but now she's just standing there she puts the song on he's tripping still and as the music plays he kind of stirs he wakes up he stands up she's stood still he gets up he starts playing with the disco ball and then just approaches her and there's this real tense atmosphere you know obviously that she's a vampire you know that he doesn't know and at one point she turns as the music builds up and up she turns she lifts his head exposing his throat mm. and then cuddles him it's beautiful beautiful scene it's really, very, really beautiful. it's long it's one or two shots it's absolutely incredible and the the scene ends with her resting her head on his chest and listening to his heartbeat mm. Oh, it's very, very nice. It's very cute. And when you think about it, like, this is... She's listening to her food. Mm. So she's really... The, the fact she's spared him is such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I absolutely love that that scene. In fact, that's kind of the tone of the rest and of the piece. it's kind... Uh, she, in that moment, becomes the vulnerable one. She sort of lets her heart in. She can... She shows a bit of fragility and kind of... Uh, she needs a bit of comfort too. She's mm-hmm. not this vicious monster. And um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. And by the end, it all twists and turns and things get a bit darker as expected. And it ends on a really interesting note. I don't think we should spoil it. Right. I, it's a shame we can't spoil it because it's worth delving into. But mm. like, um, I would 100% say give it a watch as soon as possible and see what you make of it. Well, what, when you say that she shows vulnerability, that again happens towards the end. Throughout the film especially when she's on the streets, she is completely invulnerable. No. She is uh, a shadow on the horizon. She's stalking people. She's terrifying people. She's sort of, she's sort of playing a, an avenge, a, avenging angel. She's killing the bad people and letting mm. the good people go. But towards the end, something happens where she absolutely becomes the prey, as it were. Yeah. She, She's a sitting duck. The, the the it just drops. The whole atmosphere around her drops, and she noticeably looks terrified. Um, she played the girl was played by Sheila Vand, who I just read is uh, Iranian American. Um, the whole film is in Persian, and you would not know. The accents are amazing. The whole atmosphere around it feels like you're watching something in the Middle East. Oh, yeah, totally. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I love this film. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm very glad you chose it. And uh, what do you think? Is it going in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Good. I'm I'm definitely genuinely going to watch that again soon. 
Yeah. Genuinely. It's um it's it's very it's hypnotizing. Yeah. It enthralls you. Brilliant. Very, very, very mm, Okay. Pick your next film, Rob. Give me a book, give me some sort of crap to read. Adam has passed me to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. This yeah. is uh what's it called? They oh yeah. Blade Runner, that's the one. And <laughs> iRobot as well. Cool, okay. Um, okay, so Rob's going to have a flick through. I'm going to turn to stop and he's going to uh, stop. <laughs> stop. And he's going to run his finger along the page. Stop. One. Well, I read the sentence. In that elevator at the museum, he said to himself, I rode down with two creatures, one human and the other android. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. One. Adam's Film Reviews. Tenet, 2020. All I have for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm again here. No. Something worse. Written and directed by Christopher Nolan, Tenet is a mind-bending spy thriller that has just been hailed as the newest best hope for cinemas as the audience dragged their heels heading back in after lockdown. Taking over five years to write and having been in some form of development for over a decade, Tenet has been hailed as the next big thing. Eh. Having survived a deeply unethical and brutal training mission, a CIA agent known only as the protagonist, played by John David Washington, is directed to pursue a new mission known only as Tenet. Having been directed to a scientist, the protagonist, oh hell, let's just call him Johnny, is informed of a mysterious form of radiation that appears to cause a physical object's entropy to be inverted, causing the objects to pass backwards through time. As in the trailer, we're introduced to this concept as Johnny appears to suck bullets out of a target and back into the gun that will have going to have fired them. Tracking the bullets back to an arms dealer in Mumbai, Johnny recruits Neil, played by Robert Pattinson, to help make contact with the arms dealer before the trail leads to Russian oligarch Andrei Sattel, played by the quite incredible Kenneth Branagh. Sattel has a method of communicating with the future, and as the story unravels, we learn that the future isn't quite as promising as we'd all hoped. By working with Sattel's vulnerable and victimised wife Kat, played by Elizabeth Debicki, Johnny, along with Neil and a host of Mission Impossible West agents and fixers, set out to undermine Sattel's empire and reclaim a mysterious artefact, part of a complicated and most likely futuristic piece of technology that does something. While in pursuit of this tech, Johnny and Neil stumble upon a large machine known as a turnstile. This turnstile allows individuals to pass through the device, inverting themselves and allowing them the ability to pass through time backwards. And that's where the fun begins. Inspired by the likes of James Bond, Tenet plays the tropes and stereotypes of your classic spy action adventure film, complete with gadgets galore and incredible stunt work. And Tenet is no exception. Having read up on the film and learned that it was essentially 100% practical effects, with even scenes that feature inverted people having been filmed twice and reversed, 
including the dialogue, I have to admit to being genuinely impressed by the action set pieces. From car chases involving cars moving both backwards and forwards, uh, to fighting in reverse, and even some truly impressive scenes featuring hundreds of extras. Tenet at times is a breathtaking experience that, yeah, probably should be seen on the big screen. The trouble is, I just didn't really care. Tenet has a plot that needs some time to work out, that's fine. It can be a lot to take in, and I just don't care about that. What I do care about is that, well, no one on the screen seemed to care either. It's just stuff happening. Lots of very impressive and well choreographed stuff, yes, but it's it's just stuff. Johnny just sort of floats through the world, doing things, then moving on. Neil's a little bit more invested, but seems to just follow his own path. If anything, the role of the fixers and side characters feel a little bit more interesting, but they too just get through the day, shuffling along and doing things that probably should be more impressive than they are. Cat. God. I guess she's the victim, and I understand that she's out of her depth in the events of the film, but she's just so passive. Even moments when she breaks the shell, it just feels so drawn out, and in the end, unearned. See, without revealing too much, Tenet is in a single breath overly complicated and massively predictable. It doesn't take a genius to spot the moments where our characters might pop back up and interact with the film at an earlier point. Having just watched the film, I also couldn't tell you what it was they were trying to do in the final act. I get Kat's journey, but what the hell are Johnny and Neil doing? The advice I've seen online is to just sit back and enjoy the experience, but what sort of advice is that? Maybe cut out some of the pointless scenes, let the audience soak in what's happening, and let us work out what's going on ourselves. Despite what's said in the press, I don't think Tenet is the benchmark film it claims to be. It's just another Christopher Nolan film, as far as I can tell. It looks amazing, the set pieces are incredible, and yes, it probably does need to be seen on the big screen, but if you're still cautious about the cinema, don't put yourself at risk for this one. You know what you could do? Watch the episode of the classic British sitcom Red Dwarf on Netflix, specifically the first episode of the third series, Backwards. It tells a very similar story, in one quarter of the time on a shoestring BBC sitcom budget from over 30 years ago. And while I admit I'm a little biased, I feel like it does it better. I swear, there are even some of the same shots. I'm on to you, Nolan. Oh, and before I go, I have to talk about the soundtrack. Composed by Ludwig Göransson, the soundtrack to Tenet is incredible. No wonder the sound editor decided to drown out the boring, complicated dialogue in several sections. It's already available to buy or stream separately, and it might just be one of the best original soundtracks from recent years. I could listen to it all day, and indeed have. You want to crash a plane, but not from the air. No, it's so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. They came to party. They came from outer space. <laughs> but for these unhappy campers... Just put this thing on. Things are about to get slimy. If you go down to the woods today, you'd better keep an eye out for... Quaggers! They're mean, they're insane, and they're everywhere. And they've got an appetite for naughty campers. Starring Jody Bennett, 
Billy Pewbeam, Isabel Albert, and Blake Aiden. Quackers! They're everywhere. We are not going back in that tent. it now at hollowdellmedia.bhx.tv Isn't it bloody good? Isn't it good? Love the new theme. Yeah, what a tune. Great, really good. Fantastic. <laughs> it's the end of the show. It is the end of the show. A nice, short, concise episode this time. Yeah, uh... Brilliant. We'll be back next week, next two weeks, fortnight. I've switched off. Yeah, you have. It's I done. can tell your faces, <laughs> your eyes have dropped. In two weeks' time, we'll be back again with a new podcast where we Rob's pick for the word one. How great is that? Mm-hmm. How exciting. So, We're, thank you so much. Our next week will also be, next two weeks, next episode will be the last episode before October. Won't it? It will. So we'll have some things to to tease about. Mm, so, we'll yeah. have some new things. Yes. yes, indeed. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you do like what you hear, do check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash hollowdellmedia. For just $2 a month, uh, you can help support us and keep us making good stuff. Yeah. We can have new music every week. Oh, how exciting. Yes, that's exactly what we spend all of our money on. <laughs> Sorry, don't ruin it for us already. <laughs> anyway. Anything, anything else? Nah, that's it. Done. All right. See you in a fortnight, guys. 